0: Good morning. You guys doing well? I think this is the crazy section right here. It's like the crazy people. I'm going to preach to the normal people here this morning. Maybe the crazy people need it more, huh? You guys need it more, don't you? Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. Uh, Reboot has been our teaching series, Restored to Original Settings. So we've looked at Reboot spiritually, Reboot emotionally, Reboot financially last weekend, and then guess what we're talking about today? Physically, yeah, Reboot physically. And uh, I want to start off by sharing with you a, uh, a stress diet that I have... Uh, found to be very helpful for myself. And uh, you don't need to write it down because you'll probably be able to remember most of this, but uh, stress diet, breakfast for breakfast, a half a grapefruit, one slice of whole wheat toast, uh, eight ounces of skim milk, and then for lunch, four ounces of lean broiled chicken breast, one cup of steamed zucchini, and one Oreo cookie. (laughs) Just one chased with herb tea, mid-afternoon snack, rest of the package of Oreos, one quart of Rocky Road ice cream, one jar of hot fudge, yes, then for dinner, two loaves of garlic bread, large pepperoni and mushroom pizza, pizza, One liter bottle of your favorite soda. Three Milky Way bars. Entire Sarah Leak cheesecake direct from the freezer. (laughs) Praise God. Stand for closing prayer. Did you guys know this? Always remember this. Stressed spelled backwards is desserts. So hey, guess, we're going to talk about our bodies and so let me ask you, let's just do a uh, mass confession, show of hands. How many would say that you need to do a better job at taking care of your body? Show of hands. woo That's pretty much all of us. And what I mean by that is that you need to maybe be more conscientious about exercise, rest, diet, and stress management. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, absolutely. So. so we all need this. And, and by the way, if you want to be in better shape... Don't dare do a diet, okay? Because uh, actually most people that go on diets within just a s- several years, they go back to their previous weight, if not more. D- diets are notorious for, for failing and uh, not doing well. This is what you need more than anything. You need a lifestyle change. And so what we're talking about here is, is a lifestyle change. And the lifestyle change is, is what? It's, it's If you want to change your lifestyle... You need to change your practices, but to change your practices, you need to change your priorities. To change your priorities, you need to change your values. You see, the things you value, you prioritize the things you prioritize, your practice. If you don't like your practices, you don't try to focus on your practices. You don't try to do something from the outside in. You've got to start working on the inside so that it begins to change your outside. Make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's life. That's what the Bible teaches over and over again. And, and it's really about, so the things you value, you will prioritize. The things you prioritize, you'll practice. And so it's really about a lifestyle change. And it's not a lifestyle change. This is what's incredible about the Christian life. It's not a lifestyle change um, Motivated out of because you're facing some really negative consequences and now you better get it back on track. You don't want to wait until you face the consequences. It's actually really more about the costly love of Jesus. When you begin to understand who he is and what he's done for you, then that begins to transform your heart and life and then it begins to change your life in so many different ways and physically is obviously one of those ways. I I, I meant for you to turn to 1 Thessalonians. You can turn there real quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23. That's our launch pad this morning. I wanted to look at that just before we pray and then we begin to unpack the rest of these notes. But what I'm talking about here as far as motivation difference, the one, when you're you're changed because of consequence, because you've neglected your body and now the doctor's telling you you better get your act together or, you know, you're, you're, you're not doing so well. Well, that would be kind of more of that consequential motivation. The Bible refers to that. In fact, uh, David refers to that in his uh, repentant psalm as bit and bridle. We're more like a mule that has to keep coming back on track. God has to keep working to push us back on track. As opposed to awe and intimacy of God kind of motivation. That's what I want for you more than anything. And I hope that you hear that that in this message this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, launch pad for our study. This is a doxology. It's a worship uh, verse and it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart, means you're different. Sanctification means really to be more Christ like. So may, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body. If you have your notes there, it should be on your notes. Circle the word body and then underline the next phrase be kept blameless. Circle body and then be kept blameless. We believe here at Desert Breeze in the integration of bo- of spirit, soul, and body because the Bible teaches it. It's right here. So, so if you're struggling trusting God, that will affect your soul. That's the spiritual side. So, I'm struggling trusting God. That's going to affect my soul, my thoughts my emotions, my will, and I'm going to start worrying more. And then when I start worrying more, what does that do to my body? I begin to experience tension in my body. I I could have ulcers. And then if my body starts going down, then what does that do? That's going to hinder my spiritual, my ability to connect with God. And then that's going to affect me in my soul, in my mind, emotion, will. And then before long, that affects my body. So it's this spiral. That's what he's saying here. He wants our whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Blameless does not mean sinless. Blameless means that, we talked about it last weekend, the single most practical life skill is repentance. It's the ability to admit you're wrong. It's, it's just course correction. So he's just saying, hey, we gotta make the course corrections. That's what I would invite you to do this morning. And with each of these, whether it be spiritually, emotionally, financially, we look at what the Bible says, we look in the full-length mirror of God's word, and then we make that correction. We come back to what he is calling us to do. And he says, so be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, let's begin with a word of prayer. I'd like to pray once again Psalm eighty nineteen, which is our theme verse for this whole series. And uh, then we will continue on through these notes. God, we are delighted to be here today. What an amazing time of of expressing our love to you and experiencing your love to us uh, through those songs. And now as we study your word, scripture, Lord, speak to us. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Reboot us physically. Let your face shine that we may be saved. May the joy of your presence empower us to obey your will as it relates to our lives physically. Not out of duty. Not out of have to. Not bit and bridle. We don't want to be like mules that have to be forced due to our consequences, but, but out of your breathtaking beauty, out of want to, out of awe and intimacy with you, we need your friendship and love above all else. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Take a look at this, so, so here's, it's, it's broken down in two parts, so I'm going to work on our hearts here a bit, why our body matters. So this is what should motivate us to want to take care of our bodies. And then I'm going to give you some, some insight on how to do that just uh, from my own life and from what I've studied, how to glorify God with your body. So first of all, why your body matters, because number one, God fashioned it himself. God fashioned it himself. Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Now, everybody look up here. you got to know this. The Bible is very clear about this. You are not a fluke of evolution. You are here by divine design. God created you. He he put you together. This is what the Bible is telling us. And our bodies are an engineering marvel. Unbelievable. Man was the rough draft, and woman was the upgraded version. Adam went to God and asked, why is the woman so beautiful? And God responded, so that you would love her. And Adam then asked, why is she so analytically slow? God answered, so that she would love you. (laughs) Sorry about that. This is a weekend of dumb jokes, okay? Psalm 139, it's a phenomenal psalm. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. All these verses should be on your notes. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Isn't that fascinating? It's like God's hands were in our mother's womb, putting us together, creating us. Absolutely stunning. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, that's how we should be looking at ourselves. That's what he's saying. Oh my goodness, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow. In fact, do that real quick. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Notice what he says, he says, wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. We need to know that deep in our soul. Wow, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The best technology on this planet pales in comparison to the human body. I love what St. Augustine said, he says, men go abroad to admire the heights of mountains and the mighty waves of the sea, yet pass over the mystery of themselves without a thought. One of the things that I would uh, say to my kids, uh, Nancy and I, uh, Russell, Ryan, and, and Natalie, and uh, I wanted them to know more than anything that if we were to line up all of the kids in the world, I would have picked one just like them, is what I would tell them. I would pick one that had their personality and their uh, giftings and, you know, uh, Everything about them I loved. And I I would tell them, man, God did an amazing job putting you together. And when I would say that, I was actually just uh, reflecting really what our Father says to each one of us. Every one of us are one-of-a-kind originals. We are unique, one-of-a-kind originals. God put you together the way he put you together, not to be like anybody else because he wanted one just like you. He loves you and therefore that gives us great honor, worth, and value. And so why your body matters because God fashioned it himself. Second thing is Jesus wore one. <laughs> Jesus wore a body. Fans of, of pro athletes will highly treasure jerseys and cleats and ball caps because someone important wore those items. I mean, they're auctioned. they auctioned that stuff off for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And our bodies are valuable because the MVP of the universe wore our skin. His name is Jesus Christ. Look at John one fourteen. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word meaning Jesus. So Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. These guys were stunned. This is God in the flesh. Oh my goodness. This is crazy. So, just the fact that Jesus put on flesh dignifies our bodies. In fact, much of Jesus' ministry on earth was spent healing people's physical bodies. Now, why did he do that? I, wanted he, I think that he wanted to show us how things were meant to be before the fall and to give us a taste of the world we all long for and, and is coming with Jesus the second coming. Here's the third thing, so why your body matters. This is probably the most profound. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Now, to a first century Jew... Now, listen to this. To a first century Jew, that is stunning. What? The temple? That's a sacred place. That's holy ground. And so, when he's saying that our bodies are a sacred place, the dwelling place of God, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Psalm 27, David talks about one thing I ask. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So he's wanting to be there. I'd love just to live there. Well, guess what? He lives here. He lives within us. Those of us that have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. That that is a crazy thought. That's an amazing thought. And, And he goes on. He says within you whom you have from God. So let me read that again. So do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. We live in a day and time when people say, well, my body's my own. I can do with it whatever I want to do. And the Bible says, no, it isn't. Your body belongs to God because he's your creator. But not only does it belong to God because he's your creator, but because he bought it. He purchased it with his indispensable and costly love. And so we don't don't live for ourselves. We're living for him. That's why it says here, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So that's an amazing truth. You are a dwelling for God himself. He places the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity, the triune God inside of our lives. He doesn't just come and visit from time to time. He dwells within us, never leaves us, will never forsake us. I mean, so what what does that mean? That means that... by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we have union with God, but we can have communion with him. Sometimes I have sleepless nights, and when I wake up, my mind goes often to God, and I begin to pray. This morning, I was up early, and I begin to lay in bed, and I just begin to have communion with God. Oh, my goodness. Talk about sweet time. I'm just, because I have the Holy Spirit living within me. I can interact with him. I can know him. I can experience him. That's what he's talking about here. It's absolutely amazing. Therefore, we, because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, therefore, we need to avoid two extremes. One would be trashing the temple. We don't want to trash the temple. And nor do we need or should we worship the temple. Don't worship your body, but use your body for worship. How do we do that? Proverbs 21, 25 these are just paraphrases of each of these. Laziness is wrong and self-destructive. That's what the Bible says. First Corinthians six twelve. Christians should be free from any enslaving habits. Second Timothy two six. Hard work is a virtue and brings rewards. Acts fourteen twenty two. Advance usually comes through affliction, or you could also put uh, discipline. So we have to, We need to be disciplined with our bodies is what he's saying because it, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I've learned through the years and just, I'm just speaking spiritually is that an undisciplined life will cost you more than a disciplined life. Did you guys track with that? Does that make sense? An undisciplined life will cost you more than a disciplined life. Yeah, yeah it's, it's discipline. It takes some discipline. Yes, there is some work involved in, in maintaining and, and cultivating and increasing your capacity to experience more of the presence of God. Yeah, there's discipline to that. There is work to that. But to neglect that will cost you more than not to do that. Does that make sense? You guys track with that? That's, that's important to, to keep in mind. We're just talking spiritually here. So an undisciplined life will cost you more than a, than a disciplined life. An undisciplined life will cost you a life, it will cost you a life lavished with the love of God. It will cost you a life full of the joy of his presence. It will cost you a life saturated with his peace. So if that's true spiritually, it's also true physically. And if, and if we're saying that they're all connected, then if I neglect myself physically, that can have an impact on my life spiritually and it can keep me from experiencing really the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life more regularly. And uh, I wrote this down. I was thinking about this. So healthy body management requires immediate sacrifice for delayed rewards. And indulgence has immediate benefits, but the negative consequences are delayed. So I can neglect my body and I I don't experience the consequences until later on down the road. But they do come eventually. And so, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why I should, uh, why my body matters. And it takes some discipline. But here's the next one, number four. My longevity and, and And productivity depends on it. Oh, stop there just for a minute. There was something I was going to read here that I I need to read as it relates to that previous point, point number three. And here it is. It's from Martin Lloyd-Jones, making the connection between our our physical and our spiritual. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor before he was called to ministry of preaching. This is what he says. Does someone hold the view that as long as you are a Christian, it does not matter what the condition of your body is? Well, you will soon be disillusioned. If you believe that, physical conditions play their part in in all this. There are certain physical ailments which tend to promote depression. He continues on, talks about it, and then down towards the bottom of the article. He says, you cannot isolate the spiritual from the physical, for we are body, mind, and spirit. The greatest... And the best Christians, when they are physically weak, are more prone to an attack of spiritual depression than at any other time. And there are great illustrations of this in the scriptures. So that's, a, that's an important point. I mean, so here's uh, number four. So why, my, why your body matters, number four, my longevity and productivity depends on it. Now, here, let me give you a disclaimer. Here's a disclaimer. People who have exercised and eaten well have dropped dead at every age. Okay, would you guys agree with that? Okay, yeah. And inactive overeaters have lived to be very old. I've seen that too. You won't live a day longer or shorter than God decides, but nonetheless, it's still really, really wise to take care of your body. Quantity and quality of life depends on it. Your longevity and productivity depends on it. Uh, look at, it's on your notes there, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Since we have these promises, beloved, amazing promises we have from God, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit so he's, he's concerned with our bodies bringing holiness to completion in the fear of god first timothy 4 8 bodily training is of some value that's what it says so it's, ta- it's talking in the context of of godliness training for godliness because it has value for not only this life but the life to come but he's saying hey listen bodily training is of some value in this life it's a good thing and that's important. So let me just say, just for a moment, give you an illustration of this longevity. Imagine if only 10% of DBers took this message seriously and because of this, they begin to exercise and watch their diet and manage their stress and rest how they should. And they added a year to their life, a year of ministry. Let's just say 10%. 10% would be about 130. That would be 130 years of ministry of proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You guys following my math in that? That's amazing. If you just start taking care of your body, added an extra year of your life where you could do more ministry and demonstrate and proclaim the gospel, and there's, a, there's 130, 10% of us would be about 130 of us that did that, that would add 130 years of ministry. That's the longevity. How about the productivity Productivity, what I'm talking about here is quality of life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do this. Turn to the person next to you and see if they know the answer to this question. Is patience a fruit of the Holy Spirit or is it a fruit of a good night of sleep? Real quick. So, what are you guys thinking? Both. How many are saying both? Oh ho ho! People have asked me if I wake up grouchy, and you know the answer. I let her sleep in. (laughs) Ah, see, I've used that. I've I've used that a lot. You guys know exactly what I'm saying. Here's what I do with my wife regularly. I do this when she wakes up. I say, "Hey, did you get a good night's sleep?" And she goes, "Uh, "Yeah, I did." Oh, good. I'm so glad because you are so hard to live with when you don't get a good night's sleep. I say, I can say that jokingly because she's never hard to live with, believe me. I'm the one. I'm the one that's hard to live with. And uh, when you lack, when I lack sleep, I'm prone to get irritable and impatient. How many would be able to fess up and say this morning, you can confess this, yeah, that's me. And the older I get, the worse I get. Yeah. That's right, yeah, so so, so imagine that. So you get, uh, you, if you're prone to, to get irritable and impatient when you lose sleep, imagine having a few nights like that. And then add poor diet, lack of exercise, increased stress, and you have the making of a nervous breakdown. You have the making of a collapse in your life. It's not good. It's not a good thing at all. Our sanctification, our completeness in Christ, our Christ-likeness... My sanctification level rises and falls with how much sleep, diet, exercise, stress management I've had. That's just what the Bible teaches that. The Bible's really clear about that. Yes, no doubt about it, the Holy Spirit can give us supernatural power to be patient when we haven't had enough sleep. But the Holy Spirit also gives us enough humility to stop playing God and go to bed so that we can get enough sleep. The Holy Spirit gives us self control in our lives to say yes to the good things and no to the bad things. Came across an interesting story of a guy, an overweight man, always stopped by the bakery on his way to work to pick up goodies for the staff coffee break. This practice was scrapped when the man went on a diet, and the staff understood. One day he had to drive by the bakery. On a work-related errand, and as he approached the old bakery, he said to himself, Maybe God wants me to stop by the bakery this morning and pick up some goodies for the office. So he told the Lord he would only stop if God made a parking spot available right in front of the bakery. And sure enough, there it was, a parking spot right in front of the bakery on his eighth trip around the block. <laughs> I mean, isn't that how we are? I mean, that's how we are. But God gives us self-control. And some why my body matters, my longevity and productivity depends on it. But here's the next one. Healthy body management glorifies God. That's why my body matters. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, isn't that interesting? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here's, a, here's another thing, too, that you need to keep in mind. Maybe another disclaimer you might say, but, uh, but this is I, I mean this with all sincerity, and you need to understand this. Never assume overweight. overweight means lazy and undisciplined. Never assume that. Some people are overweight who have issues very different from slothfulness and or gluttony. So we can't be so quick to, to be judgmental. And, uh, but we also, if we're going to glorify God, we need to accept the body that God gave you, gave you, gave us. What kind of a body did God give you? Do you struggle with that? If you struggle with that, you're not giving glory to God with that. God never meant for all of us to look alike, to all be the same size and the same shape. Your self-worth isn't measured By your waistline. So, if you feel good when you, you know, when you lose a few pounds and you don't feel so good, where's your identity tied? It should be tied to who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And then out of that, yeah, you want to take care of your body. But if it's the reverse of that, you've misplaced your self-worth. And by the way, men, not only is your self-worth not measured by your waistline, but it's not measured by your wife's waistline. Listen to me. She's your standard of beauty. Do you hear me? She's your standard of beauty. Not some other woman, some other picture, some model somewhere in a magazine. She's your standard of beauty. And you should regularly be telling her how beautiful she is. (laughs) And ladies, you should be telling your husband man, you are one handsome hunk. Yeah. <laughs> Regularly, consistently, regardless, regardless of his waistline, regardless of any of that. That's important. You don't use, you know, that kind of as to coerce them to do anything. You love them unconditionally. That's the kind of love that God loves us with. The Bible's really clear about that. And uh, our society ambushes us with unrealistic Photoshopped images through magazines and movies and, and websites. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the, the Hollywood crowd is, has become so obsessed with plastic surgery, they have become a freak show. <laughs> it's almost become freakish. And that's typically what happens when you obsess over certain things. You push it out to these, to these extremes. And it just becomes really bizarre. Our bodies are instruments, not ornaments. Yeah. Physical fitness is not about glorifying ourselves. It's about glorifying God. I was asking my wife this last week, so why do, you, why do you work out? Because her and I work out regularly, so why do you work out? Because she said, well, it's because I enjoy it. Okay, so why do you enjoy it? Because I feel better. So why do you feel better? Because... Uh, it gives me greater longevity and productivity. So why do you want to have longevity and productivity? And she says, because I want to be able to be around for my kids and grandkids. So why do you want to be around for your kids and grandkids? Aren't I just lovely to live with? It's like, what the heck? Get off my back, dude. You know what I'm doing? I'm trying to get her down to, what is the bottom line? The bottom line better be the glory of God. Because all of those other things you can lose, but you can never lose the idea of the glory of God and living for his glory fundamentally you know, because what if you don't enjoy it anymore? You still need to do it, but you do it, why? Because for God's glory. You don't do it out of the consequences, but you do it because of Christ, because of who he is and what he's done for us. So physical fitness is about glorifying God, not ourselves. Uh, Nancy and I work out at at Speed and Strength University. It's uh, Drew Bohannon who attends here with his with his wife and two sons. And on the wall in, in his uh, gym where we work out, he says, Are you gold or gold plated? See, why do you do what you do? Is it just all about show? Are you gold through and through? Is it all the way down to the to the core of who you are? And, And I'm obviously applying it to the fact: Are you doing it for God's glory, or are you just doing it for you? Do it for His glory. That's why we exist. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, okay, how do we do that? How do we glorify God with our bodies? Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, this is the 12th chapter, so that means how many chapters precede this chapter? 11. Easy math. So, the first 11 chapters, he has gone through the ceiling. He's gone through the roof to tell us about God's mercies. If you have any idea who God is and what he's done for you, oh, my goodness. And he says, now, because of this, present your body, body meaning your whole life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, here's what you need to know, is that your body... Our bodies are pleasing to him just as they are right now. Do you hear me? Right now, based on what this text is telling us, his acceptance of us doesn't rest on the shape of our bodies. We are freed from that. If we think otherwise, we don't understand the gospel. Our acceptance before God is not based on the shape of our bodies, but on the acceptable sacrifice of Jesus's broken and bruised body on the cross. That's why he's saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I mean, look what God has done for you. Look how much he loves you. Look how much he values you. That's the point. And uh, I've said this over and over again. Let me say it again. Everybody look up here. How much more, listen to me, how much more worth and value do you need than to have the creator of the universe love you, adore you, give his life for you? That's what he's saying. That's the foundation. That's the motivation. Out of that, then I want to honor him with my body, with my life, with all of who I am. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but boy, it sure is fun doing it. Because he already accepts me. I'm not trying to earn anything. I have everything I, have, I, I need in him. And so it's out of that I begin to honor him. The only one in the universe that matters sees you as more valuable than all the wealth in this world. And that's the glory of being a Christian. We live, we live with an entirely different motivation. So losing 20 pounds won't make God love you anymore. Gaining 20 pounds won't make God love you any less. that's what you have to have settled deep in your in your heart and soul some of us need to lose weight some of us need to gain weight but all of us need to offer our bodies right now as a living sacrifice to God that's what he's asking us to do now how many know uh, the name of the triple crown horse the one the triple crown this last year it was after how many decades that won the triple crown anybody American Pharaoh American American Pharaoh how many knew that okay so maybe this is uh, in the very good illustration. I think it's a really a good one. So if you owned the triple crown winner American Pharaoh worth $100 million. Look it up on, online. Worth at least $100 million. Would you take good care of that horse? You know I would. I'd be sleeping with that horse. Making sure that horse... Didn't even get a nick. I mean, yeah, you would. Okay, maybe here's a better illustration. If you own the world's most expensive sports car, it's a Bugatti Varone. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it right. It's from Volkswagen. But it's 1 million, it's worth 1,192,057 dollars. It accelerates from zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. Yeah. It, the top speed is 254, close to 254 miles an hour. How many guys out, out there would like to have that? <laughs> woo hoo Okay. So if you owned that sports car, believe me, you would give it the best fuel and maintenance possible. You'd never take it off-road. You'd never park it in the Arizona sun. And you would run it from time to time just to keep the engine in good running condition. Here's my point. Here's my point. Our bodies are of greater value and worth than a $100 million horse or a million dollar sports car. And, and that's, that's, what, that's the point that I've been trying to get across here. So even more so, even more so should we honor God with our bodies. This is what it looks like. Here's the first one, preventive care. Five ways to glorify God with your body. Notice what uh, Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It is better to try to avoid problems in the first place rather than fix, uh, trying to fix them once they arise. How many know that it's much easier to prevent than to have to fix once you've got the problem? Yeah, that's the point. And there's a couple verses here. First Corinthians 4.2 and then First Timothy 5.23 kind of talk about that prevention. It, it, first Corinthians 4.2 talks about we are stewards. We're to be trustworthy. 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul says to Timothy, no longer only drink water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. In other words, do some preventive care, Timothy. Goodness sakes. (laughs) Take care of your body is what he's saying. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Get get physicals regularly. Honor God by getting a physical once in a while. And yes, once you turn 50, get that dreaded colonoscopy. Thank you. (laughs) it took me five years and I had there was people here uh, that told me he said dude pastor please go get this colonoscopy and it took me about five years I was 55 by the time I got it and I was so glad I did because the doctor looked at it and said man it was a good thing he says there's some things here that would have killed you there were polyps and things and I won't go into detail there that doesn't sound very nice here on a Sunday morning but uh, but he said hey this stuff could have taken you out that's just preventive care did I enjoy doing that? Not at all. <laughs> My wife took me in kicking and screaming. But I mean, I just just take care of everybody. Hey, listen, when you see some kind of abnormality kind of creep into your life, I need to talk primarily to the guys. Gals do a good job with that. But I mean, you start having a, you know, chest pain or anything like that, Get take care of that. My goodness, those of you that are on the fire department, how many times did we go on calls I remember a two o'clock in the morning call in the Encano area. I was running out of station 10 and I walk in there. The gal's this, this uh, white look on her face. I grab her arm. She kills over and dies right there. We immediately start working a code. I ask her husband, what's been going on? Well, she's been having chest pain. How long? For two days. <laughs> what? How come you didn't call us earlier? I didn't say that, but I'm, I'm thinking, come on. This, that was preventable. So, so, I mean, use your noggin, especially us guys. We're the last ones to want to go to the doctor and do any of that. But, uh, but that's that preventive care. We've got to take better care of our, our bodies. Here's the next one. Uh, oh, 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 before I move to the next one, we've got plenty of time. Let me just talk a little bit about my medic training that I had uh, when I took anatomy and physiology just to kind of give you just a basic understanding of our our bodies. The basic process of life is is fuel line delivery. It's the basic kind of process of life. Arteries delivering life-giving nutrients and oxygen to every cell in the entire body, both your organs and, and tissue. And so when the fuel lines get clogged, it reduces the flow of fuel, therefore increases the aging process and makes death sooner. Does that make sense? So how do we clog our fuel lines? By what we eat. Primarily by poor eating habits. Eating highly processed and refined foods. High in calorie and low in nutrition. And I mean, our, our society is saturated with that stuff. But then you combine that with a lack of exercise and then a lack of rest, and then stress management, uh, no stress management skills, skills it's, you're trashing your body. It's, it's going to hurt you. And, um, and let me just just say something here real quick about cigarette smoking. And this is what I learned when I was in medic training. It was, it was kind of shocking to me. I've never smoked in my life, but I've known a number of people that have smoked. And cigarette smoking actually scars the inner lining of your arteries, making fat collect that much more easily. Now, we all know, um, that cigarette smoke, smoking won't send you to hell. Just make you smell like it. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, not, it's not good for you. It's not good for you. Take better care of your body. Okay, enough said. Exercise. Let's talk about exercise. The expert that I turn to here is Drew Bohannon from Speed and Strength University. He's helped me out tremendously. Nancy and I go to him regularly three times a week. And uh, This builds muscle, increases metabolism, strengthens our heart and lungs, eliminates poisons, increases energy productivity and mental acuity. Now notice on your notes there, I've got that 3 slash 168, 168. You guys know what that is? What's 168? It's 168 hours in a week. And if you work out three times a week, one hour each time, that equals 1.7% of your time. What are you doing with the other... 98% 98% of your time. You got plenty of time to work out. You got plenty of time to exercise. How about the time that you spend watching TV? How, many, how much time do you spend every day watching TV? So he, he, that was part of, that was on, on his gym wall in there, 168. And this is what he also said to me. Most people think that they're in better shape than what they really are. I was like that when I started working out there. And he said, you got to start off slow, then gradually build. This is what I would encourage you. If you're not even used to working out, just go out and start walking. Walk down the block. Come back. Next day, try a little bit further. And, and get your smartphone. Download you version. Listen to the Bible. Or, better yet, download DB App. <laughs> listen to Pastor Ray yell at you. I mean... There's just so many different ways, so many different creative ways. Get somebody to go out with you and just start walking and then, and then gradually increase that little by little. No struggle, no progress. No struggle. The more you get to know the struggle, the more you're gonna know progress in your life. Believe me, when I wake up in the morning, I'm getting pretty old here, okay? I feel like, excuse my language, I feel like crap, okay? Okay? And I'll go and I'm, I'm so glad that we've got our workout, you know, it's according to the calendar and he pushes us hard. I, I have to show up. I show up down there. I feel like a million bucks after I've finished working out. Does he push us hard? Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. And I feel really good. It makes a difference in how we, we do life. And besides that, it gives me the endurance to be able to speak for an hour every service on weekends, almost <laughs> It gives me a lot of endurance. I mean, just to to do what I do regularly, week in and week out. What you do every day matters more than what you do every once in a while. First Timothy four, eight, bodily training is of some value. First Corinthians nine, twenty-four through twenty-seven. I discipline my body, keeping it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. One other one other quick quote. I just want you to see the importance of exercise and going out and just doing something, getting a a breath of fresh air. The psychological and emotional benefits from exercise are numerous, and many experts now believe that exercise is a viable and important component in the treatment of emotion disorders. A review of multiple studies found across the board that exercise advances the treatment of clinical depression and anxiety. Yet another study found that regular brisk walking cut the uh, incidence of sleep disturbance in half in people who suffer from them. Either brief periods of intense training or prolonged aerobic workouts raise levels of chemicals in the brain, such as endorphins, adrenaline, serotonin, and dopamine. That's what I'm experiencing at the end of my workout, is that. It's just like, woo, that's... Sense of well being that produce feelings of pleasure. Aerobic exercise is also linked with improved mental vigor, including reaction time, acuity, and math skills. Exercising may even enhance creativity and imagination. Check this out. I like this last one. According to one study, older people who are physically fit respond to mental challenges just as quickly as unfit young adults. <laughs> all you young adults, bring it on. Okay, let's talk, uh, let's talk diet. What you put on your fork dictates whether you are sick or well, slim or fat, depleted or energized. If you put junk in, you'll get junk out. So here's the deal. Minimize the food that is man-made and maximize the food that God made. 1 Timothy 4.4, everything created by God is good, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. I mean, don't be extreme about all this, just have some balance. 1 Timothy 6.17, don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, check this out, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, everything to enjoy, that means food. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 talks about contentment is found not in our circumstances, not in our food, but ultimately in Christ. Now, here's the point as it relates to food. We should eat and drink in a way that doesn't deny the sheer pleasure that God wants us to experience, but we need to tether that, connect that to the contentment in God as the love of our life and as a regulator and guide for our diet. So we can enjoy eating but he's got to be our ultimate contentment, not food. I'm gonna, let me just talk just very briefly about what I, what I have struggled with is emotional eating. The enjoyment of, of God-given rest isn't evil, but it can become laziness. The enjoyment of proper self-respect can become the sin of pride. The desire to have a home or car or computer can become covetousness or envy. And the desire and enjoyment of food can become gluttony. Food is good, but it can be, it, when we take it to an extreme, so when our contentment in God fades, food can quickly take its place. There are three evidences that this is happening in our lives when we've moved it into this area of gluttony. Number one, indifference to unhealthy eating habits. You just don't give a rip about what you put in your body. That's, you've moved into the realm of, of gluttony. Here's another one. Using food to medicate, a means of coping with stress and insecurity. And then the third one is that we stop enjoying food as a way of enjoying God. We replace the goodness of God with the goodness of food. Now, let me give you a quick illustration. We're almost finished. Now, I was raised around horses. Anybody raised around horses, went out riding horses? And what was interesting, when we take our horses out, when we take them away from the barn, it it was kind of hard to get them out away from the barn. But when we turn the horse towards the barn, what would the horse want to do? They would want to run right back into the barn. And what was interesting about that is that I learned is that if the barn is burning down and you save your horse out of the barn, you better hang on to the reins because what will that horse want to do? Go right back into the barn. That sounds crazy. Yes, it is crazy, but that's what that horse is most familiar with. It's like a homing instinct. They feel safe there. They feel safe. Yeah, even if the barn is burning down. And so food can be like that to us. It's a way of coping with with anxiety and shame and disappointment. Where do you run other than God to deal with the discouragement and the failure and the struggles of life? We all run somewhere. And if you're not running to God, could it be food? Now, for me, I mean, it was uncommon. I mean, I take a beating at, you know, whether I was at work or, or somebody come in and said some really nasty things to me, there were times I'd come home, and this was even after dinner, late at night, I'd be looking into the refrigerator, wanting that French vanilla ice cream smothered with hot fudge and caramel with toasted pecans topped with whipped cream. And my wife would come in there and go, are you hungry? Get off my back, Yes. I'm starving. No, I wasn't hungry. But she kind of, when she would challenge me with that, I realized this is emotional eating. When I need to be taking this to God, this barn is burning down, and I'm going back to this for comfort. And it's ultimately going to be destructive to me. Here's the next one, Rest. Rest, and that's so part of that diet. We need to say, am I, am I an emotional eater? And I need to knock that off. I need to go to Christ with that and, and work on that. Rest, if you don't take time off, your body will take time off. How many have found that to be true? Yeah, absolutely. Sleep renews our energy, metabolizes brain chemicals, relaxes muscles, and rejuvenates our bodies and minds. You need at least seven to eight hours of sleep a day. You also need to divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. What I mean by that is that you need to find contentment and completeness in Christ. Abandon annually is when you go on vacations. You need to find your completeness and contentment in Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus is inviting us. Come on to me, all you that are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's what you're trying to do. See, Sabbath rest is more than external rest of the body. How many have ever gotten a good night of sleep and you still woke up exhausted because you had so much on your mind? So we're talking about something much deeper. I've gone on vacation before, come out exhausted, come back exhausted because I just got too much stuff. I'm not finding my rest in him. So Sabbath rest is more than external rest of the body. It is all also inner rest of the soul. We need, we need rest from the anxiety and the strain of our overwork, from our workaholism, which is really an attempt to justify ourselves. It's misplaced identity. I'm working for my identity rather than from my identity. Possibly to gain the money or the status or the reputation, I think that I, I can't live without. So avoiding overwork requires deep rest in Christ, finished work of salvation for me on the cross. I've got to rest in him. Rest in him. Here's the last one, stress management. Excessive stress increases the aging process. I'm the poster child of that. I know this is hard to believe, but I'm actually 39 years old. And I look 59. So excessive stress increases the aging process, reduces the immune system, complicates our relationships, makes us less productive, can lead to burnout, keeps us from living life to its fullest. It keeps us from being able to hear God, and we can lose our joy. I love Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Let me read it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Find your satisfaction in him. And again, I, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable be, reasonableness be known to everyone that the Lord is at him. In other words, you're gonna be a pleasant person to be around when you find your deepest satisfaction in Christ. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be na- made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here's what I gotta do regularly to have some stress management. I've got to regularly rejoice and rest in the fact that the one who is perfect in love, infinite in wisdom, and in living in power is not only with me, but he watches over me. And to the degree that I, I rejoice and rest in that is to the degree that I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to be stressed out. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm just resting in him. And I'm looking to him. That's a sweet place to live. Okay. Woo. We're finished. But guess what? We move on to a hard one next week. We're going to talk about our sexuality. So come back. Come back next week. We're going to talk about that. That'll be a good one. And I want to conclude by uh, praying 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the very first verse that we started with. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify us completely, and may our whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. May, may we, God, become more disciplined in preventive care, exercise, diet, and stress management until you come back to take us home to be with you for your glory in our incomparable satisfaction. In Jesus' beautiful name, we pray these things, and everyone said, amen. amen. Love you guys. Have a great week, and go Cardinals!